or do that. What does that mean to do all of that to the glory of God? Are there things we should eat or not eat? And it's interesting because at holiday times or festive times, one of the most important things that we do is gather people together. And what do we do? We eat. In fact, that's exactly what Jesus said, or you could say God, what he said there in the Old Testament. He ordained seven times, seven Moedim, the the appointed times, or called feasts of the Lord for the people to gather. And what did they do? They feasted, they ate, and they drank together, and they enjoyed the goodness of God. How are we to understand all of the talk about food in the Bible? How are we to understand even the talk about what we drink in the Bible? The connection between diet and health is pretty clear, isn't it? The scientific community estimates that 79% of all disease is the result of our environment, lifestyle, and and our diet, while only 30% is from genetic predispositions. So food can help sustain us or drain us, depending on how we eat. And as the quality of food declines, so does people's health. And we find Everything seeming to decline these days, not just our food, but everything else in our world is declining. If our body's warning signals are ignored for too long, the body's self-cleansing mechanisms can get overloaded and sickness can manifest itself. And so we know about cancer. We know about other kinds of diseases that are often it seems, related to what we eat and the environment in which we live. Unfortunately, being sick, is, as we can see, seems to be the new normal. But it doesn't have to be that way, says our guest today. We, you, have the power to make choices that can change your health for the better. So, with the promises of God, we as believers should not fear But rather, we should be asking God what precautions we should take to escape being a statistic. Well, our guest today, Amanda Powell, has written a wonderful book that would help us in this regard. It's not like any other book that I have ever read concerning food, concerning the Bible and food. It is probably one of the most honest, straightforward uh, books that I have ever encountered in the 27 and a half years we've been on the air. We've done many, many books uh, and interviews concerning this subject. But here we are poised on the near edge of yet another time of celebration. We have completed the time of Thanksgiving, that is, in terms of the actual gathering together of people to uh, break bread together in wonderful fellowship. But now we have another season coming forward here. We call it the Christmas season. It's the advent of Jesus Christ, and it's worthy of celebration. And so people will be gathering together for that celebration. So, And guess what we'll be doing? Most of us will be eating in some form or another. Oftentimes, the foods that we eat will not necessarily be helpful to us, but we eat them anyway. What if we make that a pattern, though? Therein lies the problem, isn't it? So today on Viewpoint, we're going to be talking with Amanda Powell, 
concerning what God has to say about food. And this is not intended to be a legalistic uh, conversation here today, but perhaps a liberating conversation, Uh, not because it tells us that we can do whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want, and to whomever we want, but rather that we will do that which is pleasing to God. For the kingdom of God, as the scripture says, is not meat and drink, but righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. So we want to welcome Amanda back to the program here today. Several weeks ago, we did uh, some time together, Amanda, and uh, people were very, very uh, moved by that conversation. And so we pick up from there. Welcome back aboard. All right. Thank you so much. Well, what Um, I'd like to know, Amanda, is uh, what prompted you, as someone who spent time in the military, which you did, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Sure. And uh, you you have children, and what what would prompt you to write a book about food in the Bible? Since you were what a mechanical engineer, I was uh, an environmental engineer. And an environmental sure. engineer. Oh, you're one yes. of those that's trying to engineer the environment. Is that it? Trying to clean up the mess from people who are trying to engineer the environment. Okay. Just wanted to clarify there. Okay, so what prompted you then to to write a book uh, about food in the Bible? Well, uh, it it actually came from my own health challenge and uh, some health challenges of my children. Uh And I, what started out for me as a just a simple study for myself uh-huh. turned into over the years of me homeschooling my children, having a fascination with this this information on the subject and compiling, compiling until it ended up becoming a, a book. <laughs> so people started asking me for my thoughts on certain things because they knew that I liked to cook and that I was into health and that I loved to study the Bible. And so that is what uh, compelled me to put this book together. Well, it's a fascinating book. You've done a great job here. I mean, even as I look at the table of contents, and I told you, just from the table of contents, I could tell you have really put some thought into this and organized uh, your thinking in such a way that anybody can just open this book and begin to uh, feast, shall we say, on what you have discovered and uh, uh, be profited by it. So uh, we last time we were together, we talked about uh, God's instructions about food uh, in the book of Genesis and also uh, throughout the Torah, uh, where he gives all of the uh, the guidance, the uh, restrictions upon what should be eaten, what should not be eaten, what was clean and what was not clean. We talked also a bit about uh, whether that should be continued on uh, by Christians or whether that was something exclusively for uh, the Jewish people or actually the Hebrews as they came out of Egypt. And what do we conclude from that? Well, you know, Answer I... that question uh, after this break, okay? Okay, Give sure. uh, 60 seconds of thought, answer that question after this break, and we'll be roaring down the path. Friends, you're listening to Viewpoint. Viewpoint does determine destiny, and our viewpoint concerning food and eating may very well be determining some people's destiny. We'll be right back. 
Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Today we talk again about food in the Bible. A couple of weeks ago, Amanda Powell joined us uh, to talk about this subject. What does God have to say about food? And we focused on a particular aspect that so many people are concerned about, whether the uh, Old Testament guidelines and restrictions apply to Christians today. So, Amanda, without getting into this in great depth, uh, what is your... What would be your overarching uh, thoughts regarding that? I would say, um, as it says in Timothy, Second Timothy two twenty, mm-hmm. that in a large house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and earthenware. Some for honor, while some are for dishonor. If anyone cleanses himself from iniquity, he will be an implement for honor, sanctified, useful to the master and prepared for every good work. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the the uh, truths that are taught to us in Leviticus concerning clean and unclean are that they were for the people to distinguish between holy and unholy, profane um, and clean and unclean. Mm-hmm. And it was that they were to sanctify themselves to be holy unto the Lord, as the Lord is holy. So that was the purpose for the instructions in Leviticus regarding what was allowed to be eaten and what was not. All right, but somebody would say, well, yes, but now uh, doesn't the blood of Jesus Christ make us holy if we uh, uh, receive that as the uh, substitutionary sacrifice for our sin? So this is and this is where there is the the faith that comes in play here and the knowledge that we have from wherever we're at in our walk. Mm-hmm. Um, the scripture says that you know every uh, sin of ignorance shall be forgiven, but he who blasphemes shall not be forgiven, or if you sin willfully, uh-huh. um, and uh, the covering of of Christ's blood is for our ignorant sin. Um, and there are still consequences when we don't know something. You know, people perish every day for lack of knowledge. Um, so even though we may be ignorant of these things, there's still effects that um, can happen in our lives that are less than what God intended for us. All right, so what I hear you saying is, uh, yes, those uh, guidelines or laws or commandments uh, concerning food and so on are were, were for our good. They were for Jew- the, the good of the Hebrew people. Now we refer to them as Jews. Uh, but as 
Gentile Christians, it's not that they're not good for us. It's that we're not saved by whether we do or don't do those things. Uh, but it sure could shorten our lives and uh, uh, impact whether or not our lives are revealing God's glory on this planet. Yes, uh, that's correct. If if you look in Corinthians, um, let's see, 2 Corinthians 6.17, we're admonished to come out from among the midst of uh, people who are not seeking the Lord to be separate mm-hmm. and to not touch what is unclean. And I will welcome you is what the Lord says. So we have to look at how is this word unclean biblically defined? Well, that's a good, we, an- good question. Yes. If we go to the first usage of this word, it's in Levit- Leviticus 5, mm-hmm. and it is pertaining to that which was unclean to be eaten. Right. So, uh, and of course, there were other things, um, sexual immorality that was very clearly and blatantly defined, word for word, mm-hmm. about uh, what would make you defiled or unclean. So, of course, that plays into the picture as well. Um, but somehow, uh, we, with our Western mindset, um, and we've been schooled, all of us have been schooled uh, under a sort of a Greek type of instruction. Mm-hmm. And so we are unfamiliar with the Hebrew mindset and also with the Torah in detail. So we kind of don't understand these things very well. Or, or and, actually have been told that they're inapplicable, and uh, now the only thing that matters is uh, the book from Matthew chapter 1 through the book of Revelation chapter 22, and everything else is irrelevant. Right. But we have to define the the, the New Testament, um, as many call it, is, um, the, is the new covenant. It's the better covenant. But it's based off of the old covenant. And so we have to understand, we, we have to use the Old Covenant as our definition dictionary. We can't just separate it and, and then just make up our own definitions of terms and words. Okay, that so is, in other words, uh, Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today, and forever, God didn't change his mind as to what was clean or unclean. Yes, that's true. Because, because what um, truth there was regarding what was clean or unclean for the Hebrew people is still true today. That is true, because um, now the effect or the for people who are practically eating these things, um, it, it they may not understand the implications that are that are involved. Um, but it's God's words still stand. They are unclean. They were not intended to be food. And there are, are lots of if you look at the science, if you study the the nutrition, you'll begin to learn why. Now, a lot of times we want to know why before we do, you know. But um, but oftentimes, until we're willing to obey because God said it, okay, God, you said it, then we don't truly learn the why. But I'm here to share the why. <laughs> uh, hopefully, hopefully, we'll right. help people to make wiser decisions in regard to this subject, because 
their health does depend on it. All right, so um, what do you do with the New Testament passage that says, call not anything unclean that God has given to us uh, to be offered with thanksgiving? Okay, so, well, let's look at, uh, I believe that you're referring to Mark seven fifteen. Uh, there's nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him, but the things which come out of him, these are they that defile the man. So this passage was, if we look at the context of this passage, we'll see that Jesus came uh, to uh, the, the site of Galilee, and the Pharisees came to meet him, and his disciples were eating, but they had neglected to wash their hands. And the Pharisees took issue and asked Jesus, why are they not washing their hands? Ah, so it had to do with eating with unwashed hands uh, rather than exactly what they were eating. Yes, and so in the context of this, it was not, this this verse that he spoke was not in response to them eating unclean foods. It was in response to them not following the extra-biblical commandments of man to wash their hands before they ate. It was not a commandment of God, except when they went to the temple, were they to wash before going, or if they had become unclean from touching something dead or whatever, they were to wash. So those were the commandments. All right, but the Apostle Paul wrote uh, that we should not call something unclean that God has uh, uh, provided to be eaten with thanks. Okay, so in Romans 14... Uh, 14, it says, nothing is unclean in itself, but to, or I am convinced, he says, that nothing is unclean in of of itself, Mm -hmm. but to the one who thinks something is unclean, to that person it is unclean. Now, I think we need to look at this word, unclean, because there are different words for, uh, that are sometimes translated as unclean and defiled, and this might give us a little clearer picture, but in that verse in particular, uh, the verse for un- or the word for unclean is koinoao. Please forgive me mm-hmm. if I am not pronouncing the Greek correct because that's I'm all right. It's all so. Greek to me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but that means to make common or ritually impure, mm-hmm. to separ- and and so that would have resulted in them not being able to go into the temple to get into the presence of God or to fellowship with God's people. So. Uh, that is what that term, unclean, and also sometimes translated as defiled, meant. Mm-hmm. So it was a ritual impurity. And that is the same word that was used in what Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees who were questioning his disciples about their unwashed hands. Okay. And there's a different word for what is unclean, and that word in Greek is akathartos. And that is the word used in the verse I mentioned earlier, where Corinthians, it says, do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you. And it is also used in Revelation twenty-one twenty-seven, and says that nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination shall ever come into the holy city, Jerusalem, that comes out of heaven. So that word for act that 
second word is not the word used in these passages that are often used to sort of defend um, Christians' right to eat whatever they can or whatever they want. Um, and this, there's something else to notice about this passage. Uh, it says in um, Mark seven eighteen nineteen, and he said to them, Are you so without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him, because it entereth not into his heart, but into his belly, and goeth out into the draught, purging all meat? There is a parenthetical statement, thus he declared all foods clean, in verse 19, in some of the newer translations. And here's where it gets a little tricky. Dicey. <laughs> yes. That, that statement is in uh, italics to indicate that it does not appear in the earliest Greek manuscripts and mm-hmm. in the later Latin Vulgate. Mm-hmm. So this this may have been an addition, and it appears to be an addition, because the text, Jesus is saying that the stomach is cleanses, purges all meat. That, that means he's talking about the action of the digestive tract on food right. as it was design, designed to cleanse mm-hmm. itself. And so um, he wasn't invalidating the law, which, were, which included dietary ordinances, that he was perfect, he was required to perfectly fulfill that. Otherwise, the religious leaders would have discredited him as a lawbreaker. Mm-hmm. So that is where this um, this is a little tricky, and I I personally believe that that was an addition because it does not appear in the first manuscript. Okay, so the reality is those initial dietary laws uh, were given by God, who created all things, knew all things, and never changes. So where does that leave most of us who are Gentile believers today? Uh, How are we to be looking at food from God's perspective? Are we to be uh, hyperventilated about well, let's not eat that, and let's not eat this, and let's not... And, and looking at other people and saying, did you see what they're doing? Did you see what he's eating? Did you see what they're not? Is is that how we're supposed to be responding? That sounds uh, like we're hyperventilating about the wrong things. Well, I'll tell you what, actually, I've been through that. That's partly, partly why I wrote the book. I had to get my mind right. Mm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, it's... That you know, meat does not con- commend us before God. You know, is is if we look at, um, I, I think where we need to go with this is just say, Lord, teach me, and be willing to be teachable, because all of His law and commandments are for our good. It's the loving instruction of a father for our good. All right. So what you what you're really implying here is that we are prone as human beings to do what uh, is frequently called loophole living. In other words, looking for ways to avoid dealing with what God has said rather than cooperate with it and see, I wonder why God said that. I wonder if it might be good for me. After this break, friends, we're going to pick up from there. Amanda Powell, her book, Food in the Bible. 
$20 will put it in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chrismeyer. Today, we're looking at our viewpoints concerning the matter of food. What we eat, what we don't eat, why we eat, why we don't eat, what we drink, why we don't drink, and so on. And uh, the purpose of our coming before you here today concerning this is not uh, to become hyper-legalistic, shall we say, and uh, try to uh, define somebody's... uh, Uh, spirituality on the basis of what they eat or don't eat. On the other hand, it might reflect where your heart is. It might reflect where your mind is. And ignorance itself is no excuse because there are consequences for our ignorance. And so Amanda Howell is helping us to understand from her book uh, the interrelationship between Uh, perhaps what we think or what we think we know and what is real in terms of what both God is saying about his word and food and drink and the practical consequences in our lives. What is most likely to bring glory to God? What is most likely to enable you and I as uh, professing followers of Christ to walk in uh, maximum health Uh, during our time here on this planet. And so uh, she talks about these various uh, time periods from Genesis to Revelation. And uh, then, and we've been talking about that a bit in the first half of the program. She talks about eating food in faith with love and thanksgiving. Then she talks about freedom to eat and wise to choose. And that is what really caught my attention initially, uh, Amanda, uh, when I looked at your book, Free to Eat but Wise to Choose. Why would you uh, say things that way? Well, in the same way that Paul said, you know, for the believer, all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. Ah, okay. All things are lawful, but not all things are expedient, appropriate, or good for you. That's right. And like I said earlier, um, I, I want to be a vessel of honor. Now, there's a lot involved in that. There's, mm-hmm. a, there's a lot of renewing of the mind and how you're treating people. And, and uh, of course, we all fall short. But um, this is one of the ways that particularly was spoken in Leviticus as how to be holy as God is holy and to sanctify yourself. Mm-hmm. Sanctify so, means to set apart unto to God. Set apart, to be separate, to be set apart. And uh, we were actually warned in Revelation, and I think 
This season, it is more important to us than ever before to consider these things and to act on them, because in Revelation, we're told to come out from among her, Mystery Babylon, my people, Mm -hmm. that lest you share in her plagues. And so there's a lot of plagues going around. We've just been through that, and it's not going to be the last, that's for sure, Mm -hmm. what Jesus said was true, which it is. So we can expect more of this, and it's crucially important for us to have the wisdom of God at work in our lives to be able to endure during these days to come. Um, We're exposed already to so many toxins in our environment. Um, Much of them are man-made chemicals, uh, but there's also a pathogenic and a parasitic overload uh, in our food supply, and it does have a lot to do with these unclean animals. All right, so you have some authority to speak on this because you're an environmental engineer. Well, I don't know if that's where my authority comes from. It comes from the Bible, but you have some practical uh, scientific knowledge as well. I like to to read on this subject, and uh, it's always interested me, and I I like Mm -hmm. to clean things up. So yes, um, I mean, if we, if I could give you a little bit of uh, science on, uh, let's let's just take pork for example. All right. Uh, of course, they're they're scavengers, uh, and 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 that all the animals that God said were unclean or not fit to be food were um, in the category of God's cleanup crew. They were uh, scavengers. They were carnivores. Uh, they were intended to. Uh, clean up dead things and eat diseased things. And pork or pigs, they do that. Swine do that. They're scavengers. They'll eat anything. Trash, feces, <laughs> dead, dead and diseased carcasses, <laughs> even their own young. Okay. Wow. So um, if you observe <laughs> the pig, uh, those aren't exactly characteristics that that sound yummy. But you know, Well, that's why they separate- use the phrase pigging out on something. <laughs> <laughs> when you're separated from where your food comes from, which most right. of us are in this modern era, uh, you don't think about those things. You're just like, oh, it, it tastes good. It's on my plate, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, but no, there's there's much more. Because they only have one stomach, they digest their food very quickly. So what they eat, you know, four hours ago can end up in their flesh right away. Um, unlike cows, which have four stomachs, and it takes 24 hours of digestion, and they're only consuming grass. So the difference in the toxic load in the animal is tremendous. They can absorb absorb up to 30 times more toxins than beef, and they don't sweat, so they don't get rid of them. Mm, 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 mm. So, um, well, yeah, how about such things food. as uh, rabbits? Uh, people will eat rabbits and uh, uh, squirrels and things like that. Yes, and so even though the rabbits eat grass and hay and stuff, uh, they they're not um, they don't uh, what is, they don't have the cloven hoof, mm-hmm. and um, they'll they'll eat their own poop again. It's kind of gross. They do that a lot. Um, mm. So they they don't have the the what God said. They have to have a cloven hoof, and they have to um, chew the cud. Right. So they they need to be ruminant. And in that, because their digestive tract is designed the way it is, it does take out a lot of toxicity 
from their food. All right. So how about uh, uh, moving from those that travel on land? How about those that are under the uh, under the water? Uh, okay. That seems to Let's be a, a delicatessen for, for people. Yes. Yeah, so, so oysters, for example. I, I grew up in the South, and that was a delicacy that we would have when we would have family reunions. We'd have the fried oysters, and they were, to me, they were delicious. Mm-hmm. However, um, my mother was deathly allergic to them. She, she, would, she couldn't have any. She would have a anaphylactic shock if she did. Mm-hmm. And then after one family gathering, I got hives all over my body. <laughs> and then we decided it would be best for me not to eat it. That was before I even knew, you know, any of this, mm-hmm. what the Bible said. But as I studied, um, and I also looked into a lot of uh, natural health um, topics when I was getting well, and um, I realized that uh, all of the shellfish actually accumulate high amounts of heavy metals, mm-hmm. and they intrinsically they'll have viruses and parasites within them because of this, and because they're part of the mechanism of detoxifying or cleaning up waste. And so these the heavy metal accumulation, I would say that is probably one of the biggest underlying causes or root causes of poor health in the modern world. Hmm. And um, and I, I have listened to, uh, like I listened to a chiropractor, Dr. Tent, who did he did hair analysis testing and other blood testing on his patients to check their toxic load. Mm-hmm. And he always checked for heavy metals, especially if there was neurological issues or people were having behavioral issues or mental health issues. And the, they were always off the chart with heavy metals. And he would ask them, how many times a week do you, or how often do you eat shellfish? Oh, I have it twice a week. I have it. Every, so, it shows up in your body. Um, oysters, for example, they, they filter, you know, I don't know exactly, but it's a large quantity. Uh, I think it's in the hundreds of gallons of uh, water a day. So they're filtering that water, filtering that water, and they're accumulating all the poison in that water. And today, it's even more poison than it was way back when, when Jesus walked the earth. Mm. Fascinating. Well, <clears throat> all I know is that... Uh... You know, you can have uh, some some wonderful shrimp, but uh, uh, my wife began to develop a reaction to it, and then I discovered that the very things that are included in uh, those uh, shellfish were actually included in contrast dye uh, when you go to get a, uh, a CAT scan. And I just about died uh, on the table getting a CAT scan and resulted in six doctors coming in to try to save my life because of anaphylactic shock that occurred because of that which is contained in shellfish. Wow. Yeah. Now, that is very, that's very, that, that leads me to another discussion point here. These effects that come from the unclean animals are also integrated into some of our medicines mm-hmm. and vaccines in particular as yeah. well including they mercury contain, yes mercury they contain uh toxic metals they contain um uh unclean 
animal DNA fragments. They contain, some of them even contain cells from aborted fetal tissue. Mm-hmm. People don't know this, and it, I'm, I'm about to make some people's heads explode here, but it's important for them to know this. Um, it, it's life-saving for them to know this. But there's even um, blood products. Uh, there's um, fetal bovine serum, which is the is calf blood used as a growth medium in the vaccine. And we're told expressly whether or not you believe that the unclean dietary restrictions are for Christians today or not, we are told specifically to avoid blood. Because the life is in the blood. The life is in the blood. And so to me, this is where uh, medicine uh, starts to take a turn towards witchcraft and sorcery. Whoa. um, Yes. All right. Well, you're ge- you're delving into some details here that uh, might be a little hard for some folk to take, but it's good for us to have some understanding of these things that uh, perhaps the creator of the universe knew what he was talking about, uh, whether we do or not. That's right. Uh, I almost lost my son as a result of a vaccine injury, and that is part of why I began to study uh, this as well. Wow, wow. The book, friends, Food in the Bible. What God does have to say about food, or what does he have to say about food, $20 will put it in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. Give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Welcome back to Viewpoint, friends. Our viewpoint concerning food and what we eat, what we drink, and so on. Uh, might be more important than we actually think. It's been said uh, by secular forces that you are what you eat. You are what you eat. Maybe that even is, to a certain extent, a biblical truth. But let me ask you a question out there, uh, those of you who are listening today. Uh, Have you been eating or drinking in such a way that you're daring God to keep you healthy? It's, it's just another way of putting it. Are you, have you been eating or drinking in such a way that you're actually daring God to keep you healthy? Just a thought. Sometimes it's not just in what you say, but how you say it. And uh, that thought came to me over uh, the break there. So we'll leave that to resonate and echo back and forth in your mind as we continue on in our conversation with Amanda Powell concerning her book, Food in the Bible, What Does God Have to Say About Food? Now, 
One of the things that uh, became very, very, very popular in the Christian community starting back around the year 2000, uh, Y2K and all of that, was a shift from eating meat to eating uh, just vegetables. Uh, what say you concerning plant versus meat, Amanda? Does God have anything to say about that? Well, yes. Uh, of course, you know, originally we were all designed um, to have a plant-based diet. However, mm-hmm. um, God actually commanded the eating of meat, and even if it was just man- annually, um, it was more frequent than that. It was uh, it, during, if they had to bring sacrifice, they often would do uh, thanks offerings and things right. that they would share in meat. And actually, the priests probably ate the most meat of any of the community. <laughs> it's probably true because they was brought to them as the re- mandatory sacrifices. Yes, and and they and interestingly, they uh, were very. There were a lot of rules about what was required to be a priest in the service of the Lord. They couldn't have any uh, deformities or mm-hmm. ailments, and and so they were healthy. They were an example of health, and they were actually helping the people to be healthy and dealing with people who came with diseases to help them to cleanse and, and to um, be restored. All right, that so, shifting over happened after the flood, and uh, God then opened up the shall we say, the floodgates uh, for the people then to begin to eat uh, meat. And uh, Israel ate meat. So what do you do with, uh, say, the book of Daniel when, uh, you know, the the Hebrew young men uh, requested the opportunity not to eat the king's meat, but rather to eat uh, vegetables, uh, plant food for 10 days and see how they uh, squared with those who ate meat. What do you what do you do with that? So he he it says you know he did not want to be defiled with the king's meat. Right. Okay. The the meat that came to the king's table it was sacrificed to idols. And there I I don't um, I can't remember the book that I read this from, but there were ancient practices that were uh, quite despicable where they would feed their enemies to their food, and then they'd eat it, you know, um, really despicable practices in addition to them already being dedicated to their false idols. Their well, false it could idols. also be that the king's meat was extraordinarily rich uh, or that maybe uh, was heavy with uh, uh, swine's meat. And, uh, it's possible, the, yeah. It's yeah. possible that it was pork. Okay, so we don't know. The, the mm-hmm. answer is we don't really know. Uh, what so the what the real issue is there? Separate himself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Daniel was wanting to separate himself because he was considered, as the Book of Ezekiel says, one of the three most righteous men in the Old Testament. All right. So, uh, the practice of thinking that to become a vegetarian is to be more healthy or to be more holy. What say you? So. I, I don't think that you can actually surmise that from Scripture, the full counsel of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, but if the Lord is leading you, and this is where prayer, this is a personal walk. You're, you have to walk with your Savior. You know, we have to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Mm-hmm. There's been uh, times in my life where I 
felt led to be on a vegetarian diet for a time, and it was useful. And then there were other times that uh, that was not, I was actually feeling encouraged to consume clean meat. Um, And so this is something we see in Ecclesiastes. There's a season and a time for everything. Uh, Wisdom dictates that there are seasons of feasting and of fasting. Mm -hmm. And that just depends on your situation, where you're at, what's going on with your health, and what you have available to you. All right. One thing that people need to be aware of, and you point out in your book, is if you don't eat meat, your vitamin B12 level in your body is going to diminish dramatically, and that's going to cause all kinds of havoc in your health. Yes. You know, unfortunately, much of what we uh, see and hear related to health uh, is propaganda from people trying to sell you something. Um, (laughs) You're kidding. (laughs) No. You mean like COVID vaccines? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So basically, you know, there there are, if we can get an abundance of fresh, um, whole foods in our diet, uh, that is the best. And um, if we can have a large quantity of fresh uh, produce, of uh, plant foods, that mm-hmm. is excellent. But there is something that can happen if you are on an extended uh, vegan diet for an extended period of time. Your glands can begin to atrophy, and you can begin to develop some um vitamin deficiencies that are mm-hmm. fat-soluble vitamins, which are the the actual sources that are most readily absorbed and bio, bioavailable come from animal food sources. Especially B12. Yes, especially B12. And B12 deficiency can result in neurological uh, problems, can it not? Yes, yes it can. Um, mm-hmm. You know, even Gandhi... Uh, Gandhi actually made a statement, interestingly enough, that the yogis that were teaching people to to not even allow, not even allowing any ghee or dairy in their diet Mm. was a crime against India. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Of course, he did lots of fasting and probably ate mostly vegetarian, but, um, but yeah, so there's, there's been deprivation studies that show this and, um, you know, it, it is, there are vegans that are healthy, and they work very hard at um, being very clean of un, uh, their unprocessed food, but mm-hmm. they also supplement. And so that's where you just need to be aware right. if that's what you're going to do. Right. Um, one thing to, I want to warn people about is because of the, the promotion of a plant, plant-based or, or vegan, plant-based is good but promotion of a vegan diet, many people are turning to these uh, fake meat substitutes. Oh, and, um, okay. I'll tell you, they are the farthest thing from a healthy food. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, For example, the Impossible Burger, uh, they, it's, they have 14 patents filed for the synthetic ingredients that are used in their plant-based burger. Wow. 14 patents. And... The magic ingredient is leg hemoglobin, which comes from the roots of soybean plant. But what they did was they inserted the DNA from that soybean plant into a genetically modified yeast to mass produce this 
fake blood-like product that goes into their Impossible Burger. So <laughs> this is not real food. This Are you is- trying to gross us out? I am. I am. Stay away from this. Stay away from this. All right. So we might want to just consider that God was God and is God, and he created all things, and he created these things for our benefit and for our pleasure, uh, and we want to use them in such a way as to glorify him and uh, uh, maximize our ability to walk in health to walk in strength so that we're not inhibited from uh, performing those things that would be his will. And uh, you talk in your book about uh, bread. You talk about wine and alcoholic beverages. The Bible doesn't uh, tell us not to drink wine or alcoholic beverages, but it does warn us about the dangers, and indeed there are dangers. Uh, You talk about uh, milk and other dairy foods, You talk about eating sweets and salt. Uh, It has been said that uh, salt was one of the the terrible things for your heart. And yet the most recent uh, information that I have read is that salt is actually absolutely essential for your health. And uh, the lack of salt has caused a lot of problems. Tell us about it. Yes. Uh, well, it depends on what kind of salt you use. Most salts that were gathered in the ancient world uh, were highly mineralized. You know, they were either sea salt or they're coming from a mine where they kept the trace minerals. And this is the crux of one of the um, most important health things to remember is we need to replenish our minerals. And so much of our industrialized food production is deficient in these, particularly from the use of glyphosate on mass industrial agriculture what happens with that chemical is it interferes with the microbiome of the soil which prevents the plant rootlets from absorbing minerals from the soil so those plants that look nice and green actually are about 30 to 50 percent deficient in the mineral content they were intended to have and so yeah salts are absolutely mineral salts are absolutely critical for our enzyme function Uh, production of enzymes, and for staying properly hydrated and having the right electrolyte balance. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I did a lot of climbing and backpacking and so on, and one of the things that uh, one who does that realizes is you're going to perspire a lot. And so you were encouraged to take salt tablets, and that that would prevent, help to prevent uh, altitude sickness. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, I mean, that's... You know what's interesting about a lot of things in the in the health world today? Uh, it's it's like the well, it's just like Satan and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Mm-hmm. First, he caused Eve to question. Then he uh, caused. Then he took away from what God said, and then he said the complete opposite. So that's kind of the nature of what's going on here. With, Wait a minute, you're uh, not talking about Doctor Fauci, are you? <laughs> oh yes, I am. Back and forth, doing this, saying yeah. that, always opposites. Anyway, uh, a little facetious. This so doesn't hurt amid a serious conversation. Listen, uh, appreciate so much, Amanda, what you have shared here. You've done a masterful piece of work here, food in the Bible and friends. Uh, what Amanda is doing, she has nothing to sell uh, by reason of writing this book in particular. Uh, she's not here with an axe to grind against anything. 
Rather, what she's attempting to do here is to be as honest as possible with regard to what the Bible has to say about the foods we eat or don't, about the uh, things that we drink or don't, and why we do the things that we do, and uh, what would maximize our ability to walk in such a way as to bring glory to God in this lifetime. That's the purpose of the book. What what does God have to say about food? One thing for certain is he wants us to eat food. He created it. He wants us to enjoy food in fellowship with one another. In fact, what we find in the Bible is that those who break bread together break barriers together. Whenever Jesus had a conflict with people, oftentimes with his disciples, you often find him breaking bread with them. In other words, eating. So uh, get a copy of the book. I think you'll enjoy it. It'll be helpful. might even save your life. Uh, $20 on our website, saveus.org. Call us uh, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. With another feast season coming up, might be well for us to kind of get a a handle on all of this so that we can uh, enjoy one another's company not only for one meal, but for the rest of our lives. God bless, be a blessing, and remember, our purpose is to glorify God in everything that we say, do, and yes, even eat. been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.